It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Primo pasta and sauce. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 597 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 5th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, Please make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We've got Locked On NFL shows if you're a football fan. We've got the Locked On NHL Network, which is like 25 of 33 shows that are on that network are filled at this point. So odds are your favorite team is covered. And if it's not, you uh, just wait, hang tight. It should be by the end of the month, I'm hoping, as I continue the recruiting efforts over there. And uh, so, yeah, that's about it. If you find a show on the network that you want to support, please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated if you take the small amount of time it requires to do that very, very nice and helpful thing. And with that, let's get to today's episode. On today's show, I am joined by our pal Vivek Jacob to uh, do a little mailbag action today. Vivek, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm a little intimidated by this countdown of how much time we're allowed to be on this Uber conference. So, but besides that, we're good. Yeah, I hope people have noticed uh, the audio quality being a little less crappy the last couple of days. We've changed the recording setup, but uh, being a poor person, I can only afford the free version of Uber Conference, which gives us 45 minutes. And yeah, the countdown is a good way to keep things succinct, but also uh, as someone who likes to ramble on a lot, certainly adds a little bit of stress to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> how you been, man? It's been a couple of weeks since we chatted. Yeah, I've been good. Uh, thrilled to have the Raptors back. Thrilled to have the NBA back. Um, pretty much, I feel like I've been at all the practices so far, which has really made me get into the vibe of the team, vibe of Nick. And really, you know, I guess that's part of being a beat reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, I'm very bad at uh, finding when practice is and then going to practice. In fact, I never go to practice, although I probably should maybe get on that a little bit more. Uh, anyway, that's not the point of today's show to talk about how bad a reporter I am. You guys know that already. So <laughs> on today's show, we are going to answer a bunch of mailbag questions with our uh, intrepid beat reporter, Vivek. Um, but first, there you were at practice today, as you mentioned. There was some talk about Pascal Siakam and his fouling. That was sort of the topic du jour after yesterday, it was all about load management. Today, it's about Pascal. Uh, Nick Nurse had some pretty pointed comments about Siakam's fouling, basically calling them dumb fouls that he should not be picking up. And it's not like it's mm-hmm. the ref's fault or anything. It's just he's picking up dumb fouls. Um, what were your impressions of Nick's comments about Pascal? And what did you think of Siakam's response if he gave one? I didn't actually see if Siakam spoke today. But um, what was the the air around that with with Pascal today? Yeah, uh, so Nick was 
basically talking about how he's picked up these ticky tacky fouls and uh, not just the fouls, just getting on the refs after and saying that he's just wasting a lot of energy when he needs that energy for scoring and rebounding and uh, playing great defense. So uh, I thought I think it's really refreshing to have that kind of honesty out of a head coach. It really makes you it feel like as a from the reporters perspective that you can pretty much ask him anything and get uh, a genuine response. And then to Siakam's credit, yes, he did speak. Uh, he said that uh, he, he took a full ownership of it. He said that he does need to be better, that some of it is because he's not as alert as he should be defensively. And I had asked him if uh, if some of that comes from just, you know, the offensive burden that he's carrying and, you know, maybe just being a little lackadaisical on that end and, you sort of no excuses just said hey i'm good enough to be a great offensive player good enough to be a great defensive player all at the same time so i've just got to be more attentive to it and he said the interesting thing he did say was uh that it is a bit of a learning process with the officials and communicating with them and understanding Mm -hmm. what he's doing what he's not doing uh, making sure he's learning their names and not just yelling at them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so uh so yeah again you know we, we we talk about siakam being a quick learner and figuring things out and this is maybe one of those uh, ancillary things that he needs to figure out and uh maybe that'll get him over the hump with the foul trouble yeah i don't think i'm particularly concerned about him eventually figuring it out it's unfortunate that it's going on right now and it was a, a real bummer to see it happen in the game against the Bucks, where he never really was able to get into the rhythm of things, and that might have helped against a very difficult matchup like Giannis. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like he it definitely is a a balancing act, right? Because he he's a very good defender when he wants to be, but I, I totally understand the desire for him maybe to sort of take it easy and be a little bit lazy, you know, like that makes sense to me that some laziness might creep in a, because, you know, he's talented enough that maybe even with laziness, he can be a good defender and B like, you just got to save that energy for the offensive end. Even if he says he can be great at both ends. I mean, let's be realistic here. No one is going to ratchet it up to a hundred on defense, every possession and also have the energy to expend as a number one option with a 30 plus usage rate. So I don't really begrudge Pascal for having a bit of a defensive drop off this season. If that's what ends up taking place. I just think, you know, you can't be picking up those ticky tack fouls and not even so much just for like getting the team in the bonus and stuff like that. Cause a lot of them are just like away from the ball. They're not even really hurting the team necessarily in, in the way of like free throws and whatnot. It's just, you know, him taking himself out of the game. It's not helping anybody. It's not helping him figure out the, the rhythm of being a number one option. It's not helping the Raptors adjust to him being the number one option themselves. And I would think eventually this is going to turn around for him. He had that two foul game against Detroit, and that was great to see that uh, he's had five or six in every other game. I don't think that's a sustainable level of fouls to just keep picking up. I feel like that'll come down as, as you mentioned, sort of the referee conversations I would assume are going to get more productive and people will get wise to the fact that Pascal is sort of, you know, on that next tier of star that maybe does get a more favorable whistle. It just takes time. This happened with DeMar DeRozan as well, right? Like eventually, and this was obviously a different sort of end of the floor at which the fouls are being called and a different, you know, nature of calls, but he eventually got that respect from refs. And I would think Pascal 
as he you know continues to be a good defensive player who does all this other stuff on the offensive end will eventually get the benefit of the doubt as well but it's going to take some time and it's going to take massaging of those relationships which is very important and I uh, I don't know. I, I know Nurse said today he's not concerned. He says he thinks he'll learn it pretty quickly. I'm kind of the same. Are you in the same boat, or is this something that you're more concerned about? No, I think it's something that he'll get over pretty quickly. I think it's important to point out that the first two seasons in the league, he averaged two fouls a game. Last year, an expanded role, he averaged three fouls a game. Right now, he's at four and a half. So uh, I think it's just a case of him understanding what he's doing wrong. He said he's watched a lot of video, so I have no doubt that this is something that will dissipate uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, I think we can probably leave the discussion of Pascal's fouls behind and get into some fun with the mailbag. Oh, I will Are have you, uh, a full column on it tomorrow, so don't oh, worry about yeah. that. So, I have a yeah, little notebook that. uh, that'll be up shortly, but I have a more expanded uh, Siakam foul trouble story that'll be out uh, Wednesday morning excellent read that great uh all of your stuff has been great you as a beat reporter it turns out very good <laughs> thank you um, <laughs> yeah so uh yeah with that we'll get into the mailbag a little bit here reap of x thing tomorrow keep an eye on pascal's fouls going forward and, and like just one last note on this i mean he's been so damn good even with the foul trouble that it's kind of scary to think about what it's going to be like if he can play the final eight minutes of the first quarter <laughs> like it's yeah. uh it's, it's the fact that there are these little issues, his turnovers and the fouls have been this prem, really prominent early on and he's still been as good as he's been is, uh, I think, very encouraging for the long-term uh, outlook for him as the number one option. But we shall see, I suppose. Let's quickly, uh, before we get into the mailbag, let me remind you about Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to the mailbag question. We got like five or six really meaty good questions today. I don't know if we'll get to all of them just because of time constraints, but uh, we can try. And let's start with... This is a really interesting one. This one comes from Frank at Raps All Day 614. The New York Knicks almost drafted DeRozan uh, and almost traded for Kyle Lowry. Do you think they would have made it to the finals at least once with a Lowry, DeRozan, Amare, Mello, big four in those mid-2000s? Of course, they took Jordan Hill one spot ahead of DeMar. Thank you, Knicks, for that. Very much appreciated. Uh, Jordan Hill did not end up getting traded for Kawhi Leonard at any point in his career, unfortunately. Uh, Vivek, did, would that Knicks team make a finals? Would that Knicks team make the finals? So this would have been the team that would have gone up against the Celtics then, correct? Uh, that KG, uh, Rondo, Ray Allen team, and Paul Pierce. I guess the, the year where they went to the second round against the Pacers too. Um, like this, th- this is the problem I have yeah, with this question. Enough. Like they overlapped with the end of those Celtics, that Pacers team, and then the Heatles. 
this like yeah. i mean i guess demar would have like it's just the thing is demar and kyle's sort of peak kind of came after amari and Melo's peak so i don't really mm. think it lined up super yeah well. yeah so i am going to say no mm-hmm. um just because it would have been too soon and those other teams were pretty damn good but yeah they, they obviously would have been very very good um having those guys i'm sure i'm sure analytics twitter would have had a day with DeRozan and carmelo on the same team um, <laughs> but yeah beyond that i don't i still yeah i don't think that's a finals team i not think uh, what's that not enough defense no, I, I think that would have been like a disastrously bad defensive team with Demar, uh, Mello, and Amari all next to each other. I feel like that would have been just complete disaster because Amari's skill was never exactly defense. Um, I also think with that team, I honestly think if you would have just had Jason Kidd and J.R. Smith, which is what they had, those would be better teams than with that era, Demar and Kyle, like 2013. Demar and Kyle, I, I I think you're you're probably better off with that version of Jason Kidd and that version of J.R. Smith, just defensively and for all of the reasons why those guys didn't quite hit their peaks until 2016 or so. Um, right, I would say, yeah, that no, this team would be bad. I think, unfortunately, I hate, it pains me to say, but I think it would be a very bad team, and it would be <laughs> one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and it wouldn't make a lot of sense because Demar presumably would never really get the chance to become you know, on ball Demar, which was the best version of Demar, he'd just be like an off ball sort of slasher type. I think that'd be miserable for what that team would have needed. And that was a team that fired like a bazillion threes. They set the record, I believe, for threes made in a season at one point. And Demar would not have fit that. Kyle would have fit anywhere. That's fine. But Demar, I think, would have been a bit of a wrench thrown in that team's plans. So good question, but I don't think the Knicks would have yielded the same success that the Lowry DeRozan core did in Toronto. Uh Next question here comes from Atul J. What's uglier, Marcus All's post game or Mike Budenholzer's new beard? Whew. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Coach Bud. Yeah, that, it's just not a good look. It's not a good look. He's, um, not to be unkind, but not the best looking dude in the world in the first place. <laughs> And yeah, the beard doesn't help. So Marcus All post game could use some work, uh, but you know part of post game is also facilitating. And I feel like when the mm-hmm. Raptors go to him in the post with the purpose and intent of facilitating, then they actually get some good things out of it. So Marcus All's post game, when you factor in uh, the distribution, uh, is not too bad. Yeah, I think. Uh... I, I'm with you on this. Budenholzer's beard just reeks of a man who didn't sleep for three months after losing to the Raptors four straight games. And yes. looks for it, it looks to me as though he's trying to rediscover some youth, but in the process has made himself look about 20 years older. I kind of get it. Like as someone who myself has been trying to and failing to grow uh, some semblance of facial hair for the last few months, I understand the appeal. Because like Budenholzer's got a dumb looking chin. I think when he's clean shaven and the sort of fat management side of a beard, I think is maybe what he was going for a little bit here. He's not like a fat guy. He's just got a bit of a chubby, weird face and a dumb chin. But um, 
I, I understand maybe sort of the 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 compulsion to do it, but it, the result is terrible. Uh, it just doesn't work. And Gasol's post game, while sort of grasping onto youth the way Budenholzer's beard is, I do think it's more of a sort of noble venture for him it's sort of a, a a graceful aging and a graceful sort of decline of his career where yes he's not the same post player he used to be but there's still flashes of, of excitement and brilliance and sometimes he gets those weird like 10 foot floaters that he's forced to put up because he's been driven too far outside on his post ups to go down and they look great there's no instance in which mike budenholzer's beard looks great so i'm gonna go mm-hmm. with uh with gasol on this one uh Next question here, also from Atul J. This is a good one. Is there a chance for Kyle Lowry to compete for an All-NBA team this year? What are your thoughts? Ooh, this is interesting. Um, if he can keep up this level, I, I feel like it's a double-edged sword here because for him to keep playing at an All-NBA level, he's got to keep putting up the numbers that he's been putting up, and that means he's going to be playing a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. And so while that might happen, it might not translate to great postseason success. So I would rather him not make the All-NBA team and have those <laughs> minutes come down and have those numbers come down and have him have a great postseason. Uh, and then also, I mean, I think the bigger point here is that uh, guards are stacked in the NBA. And I think... Ultimately, when it comes to the all NBA teams, the sexier names will probably win out. Like, you know, you, you look at Lillard and uh, what Kyrie's doing right now. Um, both those teams are under 500, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But, but their numbers are great. So um, those two guys will probably get ahead of him. Um, Doncic is looking absolutely incredible. He's got to be up there. Uh, Harden is obviously going to be in the mix. Kemba is off to uh, a really good start with Boston after a down over first game. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of competition. But, yeah, I think I'd rather him not make the All-NBA team and then really just destroy the postseason. If he, if he, plays, if he plays this way for 75 games plus, I think he has a good shot at it. I just mm-hmm. don't know if that translates to postseason success. Yeah, I'm going to say probably no, even though if you were giving out All-NBA for the first six games, he's probably on it. Um, I mean, the Steph injury takes away one lock because I don't think he's going to make it even if he comes back at some point in the season. It's just going to be too long of of an absence. So I think that opens up a spot. I don't think Russ is going to make it this year just because I think – like that'll be hardened, and I don't think the Rockets are going to be good or sexy enough to really warrant – a second all NBA guard. And so yeah, that so might knock Russ out of it. And he was on it last year. If I, if I recall, um, going to be out. Kemba is going to be out. Uh, yeah. Oladipo is going to be out of the picture. So yeah, that's where the Doncic becoming this good is certainly, uh, although is Doncic a forward? I don't really know what he is. So he's just, I feel like you have to evaluate him as a point guard. No, I feel like they start the lawn right though. Yeah, but, I mean, the ball's in his hands all the time. Yeah, but the ball's in LeBron's hands all the time, and they don't make him a point guard. I guess. I, I, I just don't think I, – I don't think they view Doncic that way. 
Uh, okay, I'll I, say I this. Think, I think when it comes to the All NBA votes, the people yeah. in charge of voting will view Doncic as a point guard. Yeah, and like they start Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, although they've been starting Jalen Brunson next to right, which might actually just make Doncic the small forward. Like I think that that's where his minutes would sort of fall in. I guess it depends who gets the most starts there. They've started Seth Curry as well. If they start Finney Smith more often, then maybe it's it's very easy that he's a guard. I think that's going to be one of those weird sort of nebulous ones where uh, do they like determine what the position is before they vote or is there a chance he gets votes for both spots that could kind of screw him over a little bit i think i would assume that he, he'll be eligible at just one spot it's the same i think with like ben simmons and whatnot but um no if they so keep the starting guards, is, um you there are players who can be eligible for different spots and so yeah. voters sort of make their team accordingly yeah yeah and they submit a team. Yeah, uh, that might split it though. A little bit for yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I but him being as ridiculous as he is it certainly throws a wrench into uh Kyle Lowry's case for sure. Kemba, yeah, I feel like Tatum might end up sort of being the guy who people put on teams ahead of him. Um, even though he's good. I don't know. But I uh no, that's an interesting one. I, I think there's like a even if Kyle's minutes get scaled down here a little bit, I still think there's a chance he could still make it on one of these teams. Let me pull up his per 36. Like his per 36 have to be better than what they were at last year in terms of just like raw numbers. And he's going to make an all-star team. That's pretty clear to me. I don't think that's even a question at this point, but um, I'll, I'll per say 36. This. Yeah. Yeah. The Phoenix Suns keep doing what they're doing. Devin mm. Booker has a pretty good shot. That's true. I don't really think the Phoenix Suns are going to keep doing what they're doing, but that's a conversation for the other day. Um, yeah, Lowry's currently at a 22.2 points per 36, which is higher than he was at in 2016-17 um, when he was absurd until he got hurt. And I believe he made All-NBA that season anyway. Uh, no, it was 15-16 he made All-NBA, uh, third team. So um, his numbers are better than where he was at when he made that team. He is shooting really well. The Raptors are probably going to win a reasonable amount of games. I think there's a real case if he keeps this up, or even if he drops off just a little bit to sort of like 2017, 18 levels, even um, considering his sort of name recognition and notoriety, especially now that he's got the title glow around him too. But I, uh, I would bet against it because I do think his minutes are going to scale back. And I do think there will be other guys who sort of pop in there. And like, there's a few locks that'll be guaranteed with Harden and, um, probably Doncic, and although if the, if the Blazers don't figure their shit out, maybe Lillard is not a clear, obvious All NBA guy, um, right? And maybe Lillard's a spot. It's interesting. It's on the table for sure, uh, which is cool, very cool. Kyle Lowry forever. Yeah. My God, what a monster! Uh, so per right, basketball question. reference, yeah. Oh, I, I was just gonna mention per basketball reference, um, they have. Doncic's position estimate at sixty percent at point and forty percent at uh, shooting guard. So, yeah, if we're going based off that, he will probably figure in as a guard. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that makes sense. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, next question here. Jay Rosales, our pal from Raptors HQ, and the uh, That's a Rap podcast, says, pick any Raptor. What's the first app they open in the morning? For Siakam, I imagine it's Twitter. For OG, feels like it could be anything from Candy Crush to BBC News. Um, let's go through some of the players on the team here. Let's start with Marcus Gasol. What's Marcus Gasol's first app he opens on his phone? Um, I don't know. What's, what's like, uh, a boating app? <laughs> like Auto Trader for boats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, the uh, same thing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Navionics boating marine and lakes app. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that's good. Uh, Kyle Lowry. I'm gonna say I don't think there's ever been like a story written about this or or whatnot, but I feel like Kyle Lowry's probably just like the most obnoxious fantasy football player. Like he probably is the commissioner <laughs> of the league. He probably like screams at people if they don't get their league fees in quick enough. He probably is the kind of guy who like badgers people into trades, not just like on the app, but like gets in the DMs and just sort of this is kind of what I'm like when I play fantasy football. I just am constantly shooting people trade ideas and stuff like that, hoping to fleece somebody. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but he's always kind of in there, constantly talking the way he is to the reps, looking for an edge. Um I feel like he's probably a fantasy football tyrant. <laughs> I was just going to say FaceTime because all he talks about is FaceTiming Damar and FaceTiming mm. this guy and FaceTiming that guy. So <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, good answer. All right. Uh, who else is on the Raptors? They have other players. Uh, Pascal Siakam. Jay suggested Twitter. I don't, I, I don't know about that. Um, I he think seems like Pascal's an IG, an IG guy. guy. As our friend Sarah points out. Yeah. Our friend Sarah points out that uh, he's hardly ever on Twitter. And his girlfriend is an Instagram influencer slash model. Um, mm-hmm. So that would make some sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, trying to, I can't remember who's on the Raptors. What's wrong with my brain? Fred Van Vliet. I don't know if Fred has a phone. <laughs> um, Fred, Fred, Fred has an app. It's called Bet On Yourself. He's on his own app. Is it really? No, no way. But... If he's on oh. his phone, I bet you <laughs> it's either called Bet totally on Yourself or you know some kind of FVV app. You know, secure that, the bag, uh, something like that. Secure the bag. <laughs> it's every. I would not be surprised if every app on Fred's phone is like some custom built of only yeah, himself. yeah, that. You know, actually, my uh, fiance's father runs an app company. I wonder if maybe he's got some calls from Fred about uh, a bet on yourself app. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get some detail on that. Uh, let's go with OG Ananobi. Um, I, I liked I liked the suggestion. I think we saw it in the question. The BBC oh, yeah, News. Candy Crush or BBC News? No, no I was going to say BBC News. Okay. I uh for OG, I feel like OG would be like a a game that's not a game you play online against people. Like it's not like a words with friends or anything. It's like a like a twenty forty eight. You know that puzzle game where you just play against yourself for hours and hours and hours and hours. Or it's like oh, solitaire okay. maybe. Just Alex Wong. Um, <laughs> like not a game where you're competing with anybody. You're just like 
killing time with a, a, a thing you can play without Wi-Fi. Because, um, you know, OG doesn't want to use his data, I'm sure. He seems like a kind right. of a stickler for that as well. So that'll be my answer for that. A uh, couple more here. Norm Powell. Um, Norm is probably on Tinder. <laughs> I was going to say weed maps. <laughs> uh, that works too. Yeah. Uh, no one could be that chill and not be on weed maps, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, what's Rhonda Hollis Jefferson up to? I feel like he's got some weird stuff going on in his phone. Uh, he's okay. So he is definitely a superhero guy. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's probably like some Spider-Man game on his phone that he's, that he's just mm. playing all the time. Okay. I, we need to get more Ronde. I think. Are you surprised he's, he hasn't played at all? Have you, have you seen the picture of him on Twitter with, Thad Young and whoever dressed up as the Avengers. No, I haven't. Um, oh, I'll look it up. But yeah, yeah, that's. We, I feel like there's like a real personality to mine there, but it's just we he's, haven't gotten it yet. He's definitely someone who likes to talk and will provide thoughtful answers. So it would be nice if he could make the rotation because then we wouldn't have to talk <laughs> the same. Seven guys, every practice, plus Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect, if I'm like putting money on someone who's not been in the rotation so far, getting in over the course of this road trip that's coming up, I would guess it's going to be Ronde. I feel like it's got to come at some point. like it, Unless he's just hurt and they continue to just sort of nurse him. But it feels like... At some point, there's going to be a game where there's like early foul trouble for Pascal, and Pat and, and Nurse is just going to be like, "All right, let's do the Ronde thing and just see what happens." Because I, I don't know. It, it, at some point, just like give it a shot. What what can you possibly lose if you're playing Ronde? There's probably not other another better option out there, really. So why not just see what you can do with him? Um, so yeah, yeah, I found the picture, and Thaddeus Young is dressed up as a member of the Toon Squad from Space Jam. <laughs> Uh, there is Langston Galloway as Superman, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson is Captain America. Oh yes, I see this here. That's not much thematic. Uh, I think they overlap. can afford to get better costumes. Yeah, that's all. It all seems very like off the rack kind of stuff. Yes. I do oh, appreciate well. them just like being straight up and, and obvious with it as opposed to like one of those ones you have to think about, like a pun <laughs> costume. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm cool with that. Uh, all right. Is there any other questions here? I think we might have gone through all of them. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you something. There was a question regarding like free agent additions and whatnot. Uh, it mentioned this is from Joseph Triglav. It mentions like, Mello and Jeremy Lin. I don't think Mello is an option, and Jeremy Lin's playing for Beijing, uh, so I don't think he's coming back over. But um, if it if there's like a dude out there who the Raptors could use in the wake of the Patrick McCaw injury, is there someone that like 
whether it's a trade, whether it's someone who's in the G League who you think maybe should be on an NBA team, is there someone out there who you are interested in, at least in the Raptors, maybe sort of trying to bring in as a bit of extra ball handling? Because it's pretty lean without McCaw. And with this minutes issue with Kyle and Fred continuing on, and I'm sure Nurse knows it can't carry on much longer, I, I wonder if there's like a, a tiny teensy move here to to bring in some sort of extra ball handling. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, that guy, Jose Calderon, just retired, so that was a major bummer. Um, yeah, a real shame. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess Jamal Crawford is still out there, right? Like, he's just not signed by anyone. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> you can say the name, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, let's just uh, if we're not just if we're not going to play anyone, then you might as well play Jamal Crawford and maybe <laughs> might as well just go nuclear and get him and Jr. Smith together and just see what that bench does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, a, a bench of of Jr. Jamal and Chris Boucher would be the most gunnerific bench in the history of the NBA. <laughs> There it is. There it is. They've the already got a name. Yeah, the antithesis to the bench mob a couple of years back, where uh, no one was good at offense, so they just passed all the time. It was great. Um, yeah. Who yeah. cares about winning? Yeah. I honestly, I don't right now. I, I just want to see uh, Kyle Lowry punk teams, even in losses, and people stay healthy. Really, um, it's yeah. The, are, are you? Do you think they'll make a move? I, I maybe they just don't. I, mean, I think they enough. need to make a move. Sorry, what? I think they need to make a move because it doesn't seem like Nick yeah. Nurse trusts anyone else. Uh, so yeah, I, I think at some point they all have to look into getting someone in who can uh, just give Van Fleet and Kyle a bit of a breather. But you know, the one problem, the one issue, uh that any of those incoming guys will have and the current guys are facing is the fact that Nick said, hey, he wants to see guys who are going to give him what he's looking for on the defensive end first. And if he sees that, then you will get playing time. Whatever comes on the offensive end is a bonus. So I know I jokingly mentioned Jamal Crawford and J.R. Smith and all. Those guys aren't going to be defensive options. So... Whoever it is that comes in, it's going to be someone that can hold their own defensively. And the options are very thin right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, consider me very excited for what I hope will be a prolonged Terrence Davis audition against the Kings on Wednesday. Because <laughs> he feels like the most obvious guy. And look, he's very raw and he's a little sort of out of his depth sometimes, but it seems like he's got a little bit more even to offer than Patrick McCaw at this point. So it might end up being a bit of a blessing if, if, if Patrick McCaw being out leads to Terrence Davis, getting the opportunity to gain the trust of Nick nurse, then I, uh, I think it could ultimately be a good thing in the long run. So I hope they, I mean, I hope they don't just go to a seven man rotation. That would be bad, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I'm not, not ruling anything out yet because Nick nurse seems to be very dedicated to his, uh, his trusted seven. Uh, well, I mean, Nick's solution to the rotation is to just make sure that Pascal isn't in foul trouble. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I wonder if we also see some Pascal running point a little bit as he kind of teased in the preseason. I know that was kind of a joke, but um, I don't think it's crazy if you throw him out there with the right set of guys in like a Matt Thomas, Norm Powell, OG in a big type of situation or something like that. I feel like you could make that work. Um, but we shall see, I suppose. That's probably a good place to leave this one here. Our little timer is ticking down here ever so quickly and uh we've gone on long enough here vivek thank you so much for coming on the show answering some mailbag questions with me do you have anything you'd like to plug right now uh i'll have a little notebook on today's practice out shortly and then uh the siakam foul trouble investigative report will be out wednesday morning (laughs) excellent uh we'll catch up with you soon i'll see you tomorrow at the king's game that's going to be fun you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Vivek is at Vivek M. Jacob on Twitter. Uh, and also, I'm going to tease this now a little bit. I'm not going to reveal all of it, but tomorrow there is going to be a very cool guest on Locked On Raptors that I'm very excited about. I won't say the name just in case things fall through, but I think we are in gear to record something tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. It'll either drop before the game tomorrow and not have much of a pregame sort of bend. It'll just be something that stays fresh, or it'll drop on Thursday, uh, depending on when we finish up and whatnot. But keep an eye out for that. It's going to be very cool, and I look forward to bringing that to you in the next couple days here. And that will do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.